Thank you, Ethan, Ethan, for reading for us. Uh, as many of you know, we've been on this series called Bless. And uh, the whole idea of this series is mainly talking about God giving us a mission to bless the world. And as we've been blessed, uh, we are called to bless others as well. And so we've kind of come to our first S right now. We covered the first few letters, B-L-E. Uh, B stands for begin with prayer. Uh, one of the best ways for us to start blessing other people is not just doing things for them, but really starting with prayer. And then we, the week after that, we talked about listening, uh, how important it is for us to listen to what people are going through, listen to their stories, listen to their lives, listen to the things they're going through so that we don't dive in and just assume that we, we, we know how to, we even go into trying to fix people's lives, but we're listening and leaning in into what God is already doing. And the reality is that God is doing people's heart, uh, doing things in people's hearts and lives that, that, um, way before we even notice or want to go and, and bless them. And so that's L. E, uh, last week we talked about eating, that eating in itself is a very, very spiritual act that we can leverage. We saw Jesus leverage eating as a way to reach out to those who are far away from God, including tax collectors and sinners last week. Uh, and we saw that account with Matthew. And so we, this whole series is all about blessing other people. This is the, uh, couple, a couple of days ago in our devotional, I was reminded of that from Luke chapter 19, verse 10, that the singular mission of Jesus here on earth was to seek and to save the lost. Luke 19, 10, to seek and to save the lost. And so everything that Jesus did on earth was about going out to seeking those who are far away and providing them the redemptive plan so that they will hear the gospel and respond to be a part of the kingdom of God. So everything he did here on earth in his healing, in his teaching, in his dying and being raised from the dead, all, everything, every single thing that Jesus did was with that in mind. And because we are Jesus' followers, and as Jesus prayed to the Father in John chapter 20, 21, he said this, as the Father has sent me, so now I'm sending you. And so if we are followers of Jesus Christ, if we are disciples of Christ, we have the exact same calling. Um, personally, I've been really uh, thankful that I've been able to live this out uh, for the past few weeks. And as mentioned before, uh, I started becoming a volunteer chaplain uh, in the sheriff's department here locally. And just practicing these things every week, just learning to pray for the deputies, learning to pray for the law enforcement. And um, I know nothing of the law enforcement prior into volunteering here in this uh, particular uh, context. And I go in every single time, every week I go in once a week and just learning, just listening. As I do ride-alongs with the deputies, I just listening, asking them questions. Hey, what what is it life like as a, uh, a police officer? What what do you do? What are the struggles that you have? And for an hour or two, I just listen and listen and listen. And uh, I've been practicing eating, and not so much eating with them, but uh, my family's part uh, participating with me on this mission, missional uh, journey. And they've been baking cookies, and I bring it to the station, and just automatically, people just let their guards down. And we'll be able to talk and, and they just love like my, 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 my family cookies. And so we've been doing that, bringing that to them and giving me an opportunity, uh, to bless them in this way. And so all of these, and I know that is really been neat hearing some of your story too. I know, uh, so I uh, just even with this weekend, 
I, I know that Kevin got a chance to go play basketball and leveraging what he loves to do and to, to be with, uh, people who are far away from God. Katie ate with her coworkers and friends. Um, um, Phil is meeting up with her, uh, high school friends and, and just eating over having a picnic. And, and those are great opportunities for us. And I, again, the challenge for this sermon series is not that we, the things that we're talking about are hard to do. Uh, but the, the challenge is going to be, are we willing to do them? Because every one of these simple action has the potential. And if we do it consistently enough, it will lead us toward what we'll talk about next week is to share our story of the gospel in our lives and what Jesus has done for the other, for other people as well. So I, I want to encourage you, uh, don't overlook these things as simple things. Uh, and, but these are very, very important things. Uh, that we can be doing every single day. And when we think of mission, when we think of living uh, a missional life, it's not just overseas in Iran and, and uh, part, uh, in uh, India, in China. No, no, no. We can do that right now, right here, every single day. And I want to challenge you to do exactly that. So today we're going to go on to the first S or fourth letter. We'll be ending this series next week. Um, so we'll be wrapping up pretty soon. But today we're going to talk about serve. First S is serve. So we, we begin with prayer, listen and eat. And what happens is as you do the first three, it lends itself well into serving those, uh, uh, where we're called to bless serving in action and in love. And that's what I want to talk about today. So I want to uh, kind of change things up a little bit. I know that many times when we come on Sunday, whether in person or online, you come, you're ready. Maybe you have your coffee in hand, your boba in hand, whatever it is. Uh, you're ready to watch and listen. And and that's one one really good way to learn. But today what I wanted to do is this. I think oftentimes we uh, we actually come in kind of cold. Right, like you hear me preach, I share a few points, you write it down, and you kind of walk away. It's, oh, I sound pretty good. I'm inspired. Uh, hopefully you are, but, but I want to do something more because I, I believe that God has something for you to learn. And beyond just me telling you, I want to involve you today in, in this sermon. So what we're going to do right now is we're actually going to uh, split up into groups early today. Normally we'll break up after the breakout after I'm done with uh, sharing a sermon, but we're going to do it on the front end today. And what I want you to do is this today. I want you to, in your group, look at, look at the passage that we look at earlier, uh, from Mark, uh, that Ethan read for us is Mark chapter seven, verse 31 to 37. Okay, Mark chapter 7, verse 31 to 37. And I posted these questions here, and your facilitators in your group already have these questions. And we're going to just do it for 10 minutes. Got to get you warm up. Like think of your exercising. Uh, you need a warm-up stretch, kind of get it going so that w- when we come back, when I share the Word of God with you, you'll be ready to receive even more. And so I want to encourage you to do that. And for those of you joining us online on YouTube, you're not in a group. I encourage you to just open up your Bible and just answer these questions for yourself. Wrestle through it, think through that. And then I believe when we do that first, our hearts will be ready to receive from God. So let me pray for us and then we'll break out for about 10 minutes. We'll come back and then we'll, we'll, we'll continue on digging into this passage together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this gift that you've given to us. Lord, as your followers, we know that your word is active, is living. And you want to go deep into our hearts, into our soul, 
So Lord, help us to receive well what you have prepared for us today. Help us to discover the treasure from your word today. Lord, what a beautiful picture of, of you serving uh, uh, a deaf man with speech impediment. Lord, help us to learn from you today and Holy Spirit speak to us. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. So we're going to break off into groups. Uh, Ten minutes, we'll be back. And then after that, we'll continue our sermon. Hopefully everyone got a chance to uh, have your discussion and look through the passage a little bit. And for those of you joining us online, I know some people have joined lately, later, and uh, we were just spending some time to pour ourselves through the scripture first before we listen to the sermon. And uh, today's passage is in Mark chapter 7, verse 31 to 37. I don't need to go through the story with you again, since many of you have already gone through it. But there, in this passage, once we talk about serving in love as a way of blessing others, I want to encourage you with four um, characteristics of how Jesus served others in this passage. So if you're taking notes, the first word I want to give you is this, is proximity, proximity. Jesus always served those who are right in front of him. Like Jesus served people who are not necessarily just way far away, halfway around the world. Jesus served those who are right in front, who was brought to him, near to him, close to him. You look at the passage in verse 32, Mark chapter 7, verse 32. As Jesus was traveling from Tyre to Sidon to back to the capitalists. Now verse 32, these uh, these men were bringing him before him, a man. Look at verse 32. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. See, this is really interesting because as I think about this story and oftentimes other stories, think of the paralytic with the four friends cracking the roof, lowering him to Jesus. People literally physically bring these people before Jesus. Was it because Jesus could not heal people? No, we know that Jesus could. You remember the story of a centurion's uh, servant, right? The centurion was like, Jesus, just say the word. I know you can heal my servant. And lo and behold, by the time he got home, that was the case. He could, Jesus can speak the word and a person could be, could have been healed halfway around the world. And yet Jesus chose to heal those who are right in front of him. Why? Why does he heal those who who serve those who are in proximity, close proximity of him? I believe the reason is simply because it starts right there. Like for many of us, when we think of serving, when we think of helping other people, we might have this grand dream of, I want to serve people across the world. I want to go to the homeless shelter. I want to do all these great things, which again, they are great. But yet what happened is we don't even serve those who are right in front of us. For those of you youth, I hear from parents all the time, all oh, my kids are love to serve at church. They'll do whatever at church, but they don't even do anything at home to serve the family. Right? We can have this, this ambition can be a great ambition to go help the world. But that service needs to start right here, right in front of us. I think the challenge for us is that you don't really get a Nobel Peace Prize for helping and serving people on our frank list necessarily. Right? Think about the people you've been praying for to bless. You don't really get noticed. You won't get recognized a lot of times just because you help your younger sibling with homework because you love that, you love your sibling. You want to bless that, your sibling. You want to bring that sibling to come to know Christ. Like no one give you a, a pat on the back even. 
And yet those are precisely the things that God has called us to do. Uh, many of you know uh, Mother Teresa. She's a very well-known um, nun that has helped many, many of those who are poor in Calcutta in India. I love the quote that she has, and she talked about serving. She says this, if you can't feed a 100 people, just feed one. If you can't feed a 100 people, just feed one. The serving is not about getting getting the big project, the big dream. But we start with one. We serve one. We serve two. See, Mother Teresa did not set out to want to get the Nobel Peace Prize, which she eventually did. She didn't set out to be well-known, to be famous. But for, but for whatever reason, God placed a burden in her heart among those who are living in the slum. And she moved there, lived there. She just served one person at a time, one one woman at a time, one child at a time, those who are in close proximity to her. And therefore, she ended up serving many, many hundreds and thousands of people. Here's the important thing we need to remember. You are where you're at. I am where I'm at in our home, in our family, where we live, work, or play, or go to school. That is not an accident. God was the one who planted you there. Don't ever think that, oh, I'm the one who chose to be here. You might have a a, a, a part of it. But wherever you are at, the family that you're part of, the school that you're you're going to, the workplace that you are you're you're working at, the playground, the the team that you're on, they are all planted by God for you to be there. I mean, look at look at the passage, and it is very easy for us to to kind of just look at verse thirty one and think of it as a geographical thing. But I want you to pay attention there because look at verse thirty one. Jesus returned from the region of Tyre and went from Sidon to uh, to the Sea of Galilee and in the region of the Decapolis. If you're not familiar with the area there, I want to just kind of point out to you. Tyre and Sidon kind of on the northwest and then Sea of Galilee, they have to come back down here. It's about 50 miles to give you an idea. It's almost like going from Temple City, where I live, to uh, Thousand Oaks. That's about 50 miles. So he's not, or if you go from Temple City, go south, it would be like Dana Point, uh, a little past Irvine. So that's about 20 or so hours of walking for Jesus. Not only you drive, it'd probably take you less than that in LA, long traffic. But if you are to walk, it will take you about 20 hours or so to walk. And we're going to look at that and say, wait, why did Jesus walk so far just to go to Decapolis? Well, I believe the reason why is simply because that's where the, the the deaf man that we saw him healing, that was the person that God wanted Jesus to go and minister to. God planned to let Jesus to walk that far so that he can be ministering, serving that man who was deaf, who can have a trouble speaking. See, it's no, not an accident, not because Jesus had nothing else better to do. So he just take a long walk for almost two days, uh, a full day's worth of walking. To get to a place, this one man. None of these things happen by accident. God is the one who planted you where you're at. And so the, the challenge for us is this. If we are to bless people and we love the idea of blessing people, then start where you are at. There's a saying that says, bloom where you're planted. Bloom where you're planted. Don't, don't, no, I'm not saying don't dream big dreams to, to help more people. But start where you are at. 
for some of us, that means we are going to serve faithfully to our mom, to our dad, who is far away from God. For some of us, it might be that cubicle or that Zoom call that you're in every single day at work. There are 30 other other boxes there that God has planted you there to reach out to them, to bless them, to serve them. For some of us, it might be the team that you're on, the, the band that you're a part of, the orchestra that you're a part of. That Those are the places where God has planted you in close proximity to these people where you can listen to their needs, where you can eat and spend time with them. And now because of all that, you get to serve them of their, their greatest need. I want to say one really important thing for those of you who are living in transition right now. Maybe you're thinking about college. Maybe you're looking for a new job. Maybe you're thinking relocating for whatever reason. I want to encourage you. If God is the one behind all of this, and in fact, God is the one who will move us and plant us in close proximity to serve others, I want to encourage you to include God in your decision making. Because so often when we make decisions about school, about work, about even moving to a new neighbor, our first thought is, what's affordable? What's the best school? Where can I get in? All those criteria are important, but very few of us actually let God to be a part of that for uh, that decision making. That we're seeking God and say, God, where do you want to plant me where I can serve best? Those who are far away from God. I can't answer that for you, but my encouragement for you is this. Don't take God out of that decision. Include God in that decision. Because God is want, God may be moving you to a place, to a, to a place, a, a, a workplace, a school, a gym that you're working out at so that you can be in close proximity with someone like that deaf man that Jesus ministered to and served. So don't keep God out of the picture. Include God in the decision and ask God and seek him and say, God, where do you want to move? Yes, this school is better. They have a better program here. God, is there some place where I can serve people who can meet the needs of those who might be around us? Include God in that decision. That's the first thing. Close proximity. Jesus' service to people is always, always starts with those who are in front of him. Twelve disciples. He walked tw- uh, 20 hours to go to the deaf man with speech impediment. So let's get close. Let's c- serve those who are in close proximity to us. Here's the second one. We see Jesus' service. Jesus served in a very perceptive way. Perceptive. He noticed small things. He's keen on noticing what people need. He doesn't just do it as a broad stroke and like a generic way. He is very specific in meeting the need of that particular person. In the passage we see, he brought these people, brought this deaf man with speech impediment. They're begging Jesus, laying his hand on him. And notice what Jesus did and, and verse 33. And taking him, Jesus taking this man aside from the crowd privately. Why did Jesus take him aside privately? Jesus healed many people right in front of everybody, publicly. But here it says, for whatever reason here with this man, he took him aside privately. To heal him. 
Like, don't you think Jesus wanted to make a big scene out of it so everyone knows, wow, Jesus, you have the power to heal. Wow, Jesus, you can, you can, you can even heal a deaf man who can't talk. Like, don't you think that would be the best way for us to make his name known? And yet Jesus, in this particular instance, took this man aside privately. I suspect the reason was simply because of this. That Jesus is perceptive to how this deaf man might have felt. Imagine growing up, you can't hear anything. Whenever you talk, you stutter. Every word comes out, you know that people are going to make fun of you. You probably heard all your life and people giggling every time you talk. And imagine Jesus there, and then you're trying to tell Jesus, help me, and and people just giggling, just just the embarrassment this guy has gone through in his life. And Jesus, is in, in this story, is so perceptive to how this man feels. He pulled him aside in a private setting and healed him. Jesus was very keen to what this person might have felt, may have experienced, without embarrassing him in front of everybody, saying what everybody already knew that this man stuttered, can't talk, he can't hear, he can barely listen to anything. Jesus pulled him aside. Jesus understood him. Last week I shared a book called Never Never Eat Alone. It's a business book about the need for relationship to build network. I want to use another, I know we're in a church, but I want to use another business book to make a point and share a story with you. Uh, one of the books I really like is called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Another business book talking about how can you be an effective worker, effective um, business person. Uh, it's a very well-known book by a guy named Stephen Covey. And he shared a story in there that I think as Christians, we need to pay attention to. Well, by the way, one of the reasons why I keep sharing these non-Christian books in our in my sermon here is because I want to illustrate for you what the rest of the world knows. And yet as Christians, oftentimes we don't live out. Like many non-Christians know the principle of the scripture and they are taking advantage of it. And yet as Christians, we do not live by what God has called us to do. Stephen Covey one time was in the new, in New York in a subway. He was riding subway every, uh, to go to a place. And on this subway particularly, there was a, uh, a group of really rowdy kids, a set of brothers. And he saw these, these brothers were just yelling and screaming, running up and down the subway, very disrespectful. And then he saw the dad just sitting there looking down and did nothing. He, he, uh, Stephen Covey thought and said, man, this dad needs to do something. Like these kids are bothering everybody else, being disrespectful in the public. Don't, doesn't this dad know that he should rein his kids in a little bit more? And so he didn't say anything, but after a while, he just could not do it anymore. He just can't take it anymore. So he decided to walk over to the dad and confronted this man and say, um, Gentlemen, this seems like your kids are running all over the place and disrupting everybody. Can you do something with these kids? And then this man just looked down with a very, very low, despondent voice. Said, I know. I know what they're doing. I don't know what to do with them. I don't know how to keep them sit down. I don't know what to say to them because we just came home 
from the hospital where my, my, my wife just died. Stephen Covey shared that story because he wanted to make a point that so often we do not seek to understand people. We make a lot of assumptions about people. And when we talk about serving others, Jesus did not assume anything about this man. He was perceptive of even how this man might have felt. And he ministered, served him. Seek to understand, put himself in the shoes of this man, how he would have felt and pulled him aside before he even performed this miracle and served this man. And that's how God wants us to serve, not only in close proximity to the people around us, not only perceptive in a perceptive way to, to pay attention. Here's the third thing we see Jesus service. Jesus served personally. As he noticed what this man might have gone through, what this man might need, he served this man personally. He served this man personally. He entered into the man's pain. Verse 34, after he pulled him aside, privately, notice what Jesus, Jesus put his fingers in his ears after spitting, touched his tongue. And verse 34, and looking up to heaven, he sighed. And said to him, Epitha, that is, be open. There is a word in there that is really important. Verse 34. It's the word, sigh. This word only happened twice in any of the story that we've seen Jesus in the gospel. One at a time, I think, I believe it is in Mark chapter 8. You flip the chapter later, you see Jesus use this word. But it was used in such a way, more like, oh, like a frustration sigh. Like it was the, the, the when Jesus was, uh, when the Pharisees were testing him, and then they were asking for a sign, and Jesus almost had enough of it. It's like, fine, like, what else do you guys want? Like, get that type of sigh. It's frustrated. It's almost like someone pestered you for like, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? And uh, oh. Fine. That type of sign. But we see in Mark chapter 7, a completely different type of sign. In our translation, it says it was a deep sigh. It was a, like a groaning. Like I, I imagine it to be like if you find out something tragic that happened to your close friends, like you resonate and you're like, oh man, like, like that type of side, like maybe something bad happened and, and you, you, you just connected with that person. Is that type, a side of, of, of connection, a side of, of a sympathy, a side, a side that, that stir from the inside you feel is identification. You feel the pain of that person. It was that type of side that Jesus let out and Jesus know the pain of what this man have gone through. See, when we talk about serving others, it's not just a checklist that I say, well, Ben asked us to talk to bless people. So let's check beginning with prayer, check, listen, check, eat. Now check serving one another. Like serving others for Jesus was not, he was not a, 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 like a vending machine that he just put a coin in and go, boop, serve, 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 did this, done that. 
He's just not a machine in a machinery way in serving, but he, he goes into, lives into the, the shoes of those people who, whom he's serving. He feels the pain and he, he, he entered into their lives to serve them personally. So this is why we don't start with serving. We start with praying so that God will create a burden in our hearts for people who are far away from God. So then we, we listen, we, we hear what other people are going through so that we, we identify with what they really need and what they're feeling. We spend time with them eating, not just for the eating sake, but, but we, we, we build relationship with people. And when you do those three things, it helps you to go into a place where you can ask God, God, how can I serve this person in a personal manner? Someone once said it really uh, well, and I re- it really helped me to think of service in a different way. He says this, a problem isn't a real problem until it becomes your problem. Someone else's problem is not a problem for you unless it becomes your problem. You see, when we start seeing other people's trials and issues, their problems, their needs as our needs, then we will start loving our neighbors as ourselves. Because this is no longer, oh, Caitlin had an issue, Faith had an issue, Mars has an issue. It's their needs. No, when we start identifying, seeing, and, and, and say, oh, that's my, that's, that's my need too. I want to make it to be mine. Then all of a sudden we'll start serving people in a personal way, in a loving way. And no longer do we just do it out of duty. So we see Jesus serve those who are in close proximity. He's not just wanting the plaque on the wall. He served those who are right in front of him. We see Jesus serving others perceptively. He noticed what's going on. He served people personally, not as a, a project to do a spiritual, spiritual project to get done, to get a grade on, but he served people as people. And here's the last one. Jesus served people powerfully. Jesus served people powerfully with the power of God. Look at what Jesus said in verse 37 which I believe is a great picture, hopefully, that you will have in your mind as you think about serving. Verse 34 again, Jesus looked up into heaven, he sighed, and he said this in Aramaic, Epaphatha, that is be opened. And in verse 35, his this man's ears were open, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly, spoke normally. Man, what a picture it is of serving. The first thing Jesus did was not get his hand dirty and go fix this person. Jesus looked up to heaven. Why? Because Jesus on earth does not have the power to do the miracles that he, he did. He needed the Father's power. He relied on God's power. He, oh, the only way for him to perform miracles is not because he himself as on earth as a fully man has the power to do so, but he called upon God the Father to give him the strength and the power to do what is humanly impossible to make a deaf man listen again to, to fix a person who cannot talk. 
all by just merely speaking the word. Be open. You might be thinking, well, that's Jesus. Of course Jesus can perform miracles. But what about us? What about us? Can we do the same thing? And my my encouragement to you is this. When you think of service, you might be thinking small things, which is important. Maybe you're thinking, I'll give a friend a ride. I will help my friends doing homework. I'll tutor the, the, my friend. Maybe I will uh, give my sibling a ride to whatever activities that he or she has to do. I'll be a listening ear. All those are great service, great way of serving those who are li- close proximity to us. But I want to challenge you. Don't stop right there. Because when you only serve within your power, people will not be able to see God. But put yourself in this man's shoes when Jesus served him by healing him, opened up his ears to listen, his tongue to speak normally. This man knew without a doubt that it was, there's something amazing about this man, Jesus. Verse 37, they were astonished beyond measure. This man experienced not the power of Jesus. He experienced the power of God. He had a firsthand experience of a miracle, an act of God. So when you serve others, are you bringing people to experience a miracle of God, an act of God, or just something that is very doable by you and me? Because yes, we want to serve them their needs, but greater yet, the bigger need that they have is they need to know God. They need to experience God. And so next time I want to challenge when someone is sick, give them medicine, give them a referral to a doctor, but will you challenge them? Will you bless them, serve them by saying, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray healing upon you. And I know, I know how it is, right? When we, when we don't, we hesitate to do that because oftentimes we, we, we're, we're fearful. What if it, that person doesn't get healed? Doesn't that make God look bad? But on the opposite side, what if God does heal them through your prayer? Then all of a sudden this person noticed there's something different about your serving this person and you get an opportunity to share with them. I can't, I can't heal you. I'm just calling upon the one who has the power to heal people. And this person get to see, get to experience firsthand who God is. So next time with someone else who's struggling with addiction, would you pray for that person to be free from what they're struggling? Maybe, maybe it was a bad habit. Maybe it was anxiety. Maybe it was fear. Pray for them. Say, tell, tell the person, I want to pray for you to be released from these things. Don't be afraid to ask for a miracle. The miracle is not done by you. You are calling upon the one who can do the miracle. It is not a surprise, Jesus said, when he entered into the world, he quoted Isaiah 61. He says this, my, my work here is to bring the good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim freedom to the captives, and opening a prison to those who are bound. Jesus is saying, I'm going to do the work of releasing people from the things of the world that this world have no power to do on their own. And when we serve people, let's step into those places and say, God, would you help 
show yourself to this non-believer? Would you help release the fear, release the addiction, release whatever they're struggling with, with your power so that this person will know you, so that this person will experience you? Hannah shared with me before uh, several times with her coworkers who are sick. Just offering to pray for them. Open up these people's eyes to the possibility of what God can do. There is a family that we've been praying for who, who are going through pretty serious disease, not, uh, not just one, several people in their family. We wish to say that things are completely over, that things are completely healed, but that's not the case. But they've experienced along the way as we pray for them, God is doing some work in their, in their condition. They're still going through a tough time, but, but they continue to come back and share with Hannah how we can best pray for them. I want to encourage you to do the same thing. We can't dictate, we can't coerce God to do miracles, but we can certainly pray. We can certainly come alongside people, point people to God. And so that when things, when God see it as opportunity, there will be a way for us to share with them who this God we're calling upon on behalf of them. I want to give us a challenge today as we talk about serving. Here's the first one. Serve someone within the next 24 hours. I think for many of us, serving is not the first time we've heard of in church. But it's living it out. Oftentimes it's a challenge. So would you commit and think of someone that you can serve, someone who may be far away from God that does not know Jesus? Will you look for opportunity to serve that person within the next 24 hours? Maybe someone at your home, maybe someone in your class, maybe someone at your workplace, someone who are close proximity of you, whether digitally or physically. Commit to be obedient to God, serve that person. Here's the second thing. Think about what you can do to serve that person. In our church, we like to use this acronym, RPMS, right? Relational, physical, mental, and spiritual. That's a great, great way for you to think through. Is there a thing that, is there a need that this person have relationally that I can serve? Is this person struggling with being lonely? Or physically, is this person struggling eating well, exercising? Is there some way I can come alongside and say, maybe I can go walk with this person once a week? Maybe mentally, this person is struggling in COVID. Maybe I can commit to to serve this person, call up this person and say, hey, can we just talk? Can we just have lunch? Or perhaps spiritually, someone is is looking for hope. And you can come alongside, serve this person and tell this person, hey, there is hope and his name is Jesus. If you don't know how to serve, pour out, pour through those four, four RPMS and maybe there are ways for you to serve that person. And here's the last one. Do something in action. Don't just say that you will serve that person. Do it, live it. As we talk about serving one another, serving others, serving those who are far away from God. I can't think of a better example of someone who served us than our Lord Jesus Christ himself. Jesus came from heaven to earth so that he can be close to us, in close proximity to us. 
He came literally from the best play there is into the worst play there is in all of heaven and earth. So he can come close, up close, live among us. He's perceptive of your life, your challenges, my challenge, your sin and my sin. And he died on the cross personally for each one of us. And he demonstrated powerfully through his own sacrifice on the cross and three days later being raised from the dead. As we are called to serve those who are far away from, from God, we have the example in Jesus. 